you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? Hey, hey, welcome back to the conversation. CEO Mischief Makers, MKJ here, my amazing guest, Kasim Aslam. I I just am blown away by our conversation so far. And seriously, you're making my head ping and all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of opportunities and ideas. And just to start, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, you need to go do that so that you bring yourself up to speed with this conversation. And speaking of speed, when you were on stage in the Commitment Summit, it was like hanging on for dear life as you were speaking and laying down data and information at a breakneck pace. So I have a feeling we might, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to, if I'm going to get that same feeling right now, or if we're going to keep it calm, because guys, if you see this guy speak, you're going to be blown away. You better just hang on or record it or, <laughs> you know, have a, a text to speech going on because it's incredible. So the last conversation we had, you you were talking about attribution. You were talking about how can you attribute whatever the traffic or specifically the sale is really where it, what it gets down to, to one form of traffic or another. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and not just how we can innovate it, but how are you trying to attribute traffic now or sales now? My opinion is that if an agency offers you attribution data without the disclaimer that it's flawed and porous, they're either lying, <laughs> which is less likely, yeah. but or they don't know what they're doing, they which is more likely. Yeah. You don't get it. Google's operating off of a 500 touchpoint paradigm. And you know that there's a spectrum there too. There's an interesting case study that was done by Google I think it's on learnwithgoogle.com where they they mapped out the path to purchase for a myriad of products and services. And a candy bar was 20 touches and an airline ticket was 500. And there's things more complex than airline tickets. And take into consideration the, the massive variable here is that Google can't see all touches. So these are only the trackable touches. And it touches a lot of things. It touches you walking by as the door is open to somebody's office and they're listening to an ad and you now, you know what I mean? So like there's a lot of different ways to, to catalyze an impression. There's this old data point that comes from the 1930s that it takes seven touches before somebody's ready to, and it was from the film industry. And what they discovered is, you know, based on napkin math, somebody has to see a movie poster seven times before they see the movie. And somehow, that led to all marketers thinking, oh, I've got to touch you seven times. No, you have to touch somebody 500 times. And it's over what period of time? You know, like if I cut myself and I need a Band-Aid, my path to purchase might be 15 minutes. But if I'm shopping for a Montessori school or a home, it could be years. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got an agency that serves nothing but Montessori schools. And we see people shopping for schools 
in Montessori starts at 18 months, we see people shopping for schools before they're pregnant. So that's the premise. That's step zero is to understand just how multivariant it is. People are exposed to information, massive amounts of information over a protracted period of time. And now realize that we're paying to put that information in front of them, varying intervals across varying networks. And you're trying to track the efficacy of that exercise. And that actually used to be way easier before. And, you know, it's hard to say what the lead domino was, GDPR, Privacy First, Cambridge Analytica, iOS 14, who knows. But basically what we're dealing with is an arms race and statecraft where all these organizations are stripping data away from each other. And where I used to be able to say, oh, they clicked on this ad, they saw this video, they watched this thing, they saw that tweet. They were, now I can't, that visibility is being taken away from me in some instances slowly, in some instances in one foul swoop, like just gone, like iOS 14 just destroyed Facebook ads overnight. It was amazing to watch, yes. you know, pissing matches between yeah, corporations. <laughs> yeah. So now you're in a position where you're spending money on advertising networks. You don't know what's happening in its entirety, why it's happening, how it's happening, where it's happening. Or, and you're yelling at your agency to tell you, well, what do we do now? How do I make a decision? So from a, from a tactical perspective, you're flying blind. And your job should be to start to poke as many holes into that smoke screen as you possibly can. Attribution, it'll never be an exact science, at least not in the way that the technical ecosystem is currently structured. There are some exceptions to that that I can talk about. But there are some applications that do an okay job. The, the tool that I use is called Northbeam. And it's only for e-commerce, to my knowledge. They might branch out a little bit here. The disclaimer I'll make is I'm an investor. Mm-hmm. I'm an investor and an advisor, but I was a user first. Mm-hmm. I was a user first. And then, you know, the Austin, the guy who founded it, we ended up being introduced. And I sang his praises so hard. He was like, dude, we need you. We need you on board. So my business partner <laughs> was direct the R&D for Northbeam. It's not perfect. It's the best of all the bad options. What I'll tell people from an attribution perspective is you cannot and I mean this so strongly, you cannot rely on attribution that's click only. Most attribution tools, Hyros, Triple Whale, they're, they're UTM based, they're click only. Well, the click is not only not the most important impression or touch point, it's also heavily veered towards the latter season of conversion. The part it's experience. This is where people yeah. are ready to buy. So all you're yes. doing is you're, it's it's confirmation bias. It's, based, it's like going back right. to last click attribution. So you need to be able to model in some way impressions and 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 touches that aren't click. And how you do? And there's a bunch of tools out there, and I haven't tested them all because I'm lazy. But I've tested most of them. You know, like we went really deep, really wide for quite some time. The other piece of it is capture first party data. All the first party data. That's your data. People got so lazy. That used to be a prerequisite to marketing is you had to capture first party data, but then the advertising network started doing it for you. And, you know, around 2012 and 13, Facebook ads, man, those guys were minting money and you didn't need the data because Facebook could optimize and you just poured money in and more money came out. It was a magic ATM machine and we all got lazy. (laughs) Now you have to capture first party data again. And all that requires is a really simple CRM. I use high level. I think most marketers do. But whatever you want, Salesforce, HubSpot, it's all the same. You know, it's a, it's a great big database. And yeah. everything that somebody does on your website should pass through that database. Or 
should be cookied until they convert and then you know progressive profiling rules pass that cookie through but that exercise alone here's what's really funny is everybody who's listening to this five percent of people will do it yeah that's the type of barrier that you want though you want those those the competitive advantages where you know you know what this is this is the work that's so hard most people won't do it and it's not inaccessible it's not you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be smart. It's so easy. Like people on Fiverr can do this shit. It's just about doing it. Like just go do it. And that alone, you know, if you want to talk about like tactical, feet on the street, true touch point, key differentiator, attribution, first party data, none of your competitors are going to do this. Yeah. So, I mean, if people were to take nothing away from this conversation, the problem is, is it's just the least sexy topic in the world. It is, but you know, you know what? Let's, yeah, but let's break it out. I mean, we we look at this. What we're talking about is the messy middle. In the middle, it's always messy. We know where the first touch is, possibly. Hopefully, we can get them on. That's who you're talking. You know, they click on something to get into your website, and you you know use GHL as that initial point. And we're talking about the end where they purchase, and all the rest of the middle stuff is messy. But you listening to our voice, you have a business, you know your business. Kasim, you also mentioned the difference between a band-aid purchase and an airline ticket. You know where you are in that continuum, how difficult your purchase is, how much information needs to be transmitted. Montessori school, you're dealing with my child. You need to give me a lot in order for me to decide to hand my child over to you. So you know where you are in that continuum. So start there. Go from 500 to one right? Driving down to Rite Aid to get a Band-Aid because I just cut myself. So you know where you are. Now you're going to look at where do you need to put those touches? Is it a physical location? Where online? I mean, all the other questions that you need to ask for traffic, for where your customer lives and, and might encounter your information, all of that is in that messy middle. You can figure it out. You can at least throw some spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks, that whole adage that we've heard billions of times. But you can try things out. And someone like Kasim has that understanding of what works. So yes, we may not be able to attribute every sale to exactly where they came from, but start from the beginning and the end and look at that messy middle and start testing. How important is testing in your world? It's interesting. I'm going to answer this two ways. It's the most important exercise you can undertake in the realm of digital marketing. And you don't have to do it at all because the machine does it for you. Yeah. So the you know split testing, A/B testing, multivariate testing, all that stuff is critical, critical. And marketer doesn't do it. Google does it for you. Facebook does it for you. So I mean, you give it the variables. So maybe like the ideation facet of testing is yours, but you know anybody who's trying to split test themselves is it's such flawed logic to think that you could outpace the trillion dollar AI driven machine learning mechanism. You know, you just give it to them and then they'll come back and say, oh, this is the video that worked. Let's run with it. Yeah. And that's different from say seven years ago. Oh, it's different it, 18 it's... months ago. Yeah. yeah. So talk Ooh, about, that. Talk about back AI. November 2021. It's funny, Mike, I won't have a job soon. <laughs> and I don't know how soon. You know, it's, it's a fun soundbite, right? Like that's a good tweet. <laughs> but it's also true. It used to be that the analogy that I use in my keynote, you probably heard me say this on stage, media buying used to be driving a Formula One race car. It was, you're flying down the road, 250 miles an hour, you're making micro decisions in you know fractions of a second, and you're in control. You have the wheel and the gas and the brakes, and it's up to you where you go. 
Now it's interstellar space travel at the speed of light. You don't get to drive, right? Like you would just crash the spaceship immediately and we'd all die of fiery death. So instead, the machine does everything and then you serve the machine, which is kind but of you still scary have to know how thing. to do that. You still have to know you how do. to do that. So but it's you're not going to be so out of a job. Easier. I don't know. I think in two years, three years, five years, maybe you go to Google and you say, here's my domain name. Here's my credit card. Go. <laughs> and they're getting to a point to where, but now here's the side of that coin is everybody's like, oh, thank God. I'm not going to have to pay this idiot. What's what's the, the balance of risks there is when you get to that point, every industry is so commoditized. It's a race to yeah. the bottom yeah. because now everybody in your industry does that exact same thing. And now here you have, you know, don't be evil. Google. Who knows? Everybody in the industry, everybody shopping for everybody in the industry, what you're willing to pay, what you're willing to make. It's the ultimate ecosystem for price fixing. And, you know, I think we'll all rue the day. The benefit we have is we're going to have we're going to see context changes. So where a Google ads manager, well, I don't know, the days are numbered. There's going to be so many things that I'll be able to jump off into. I'm not worried. about. I, do we might just become yeah. an attribution we might just become data and analytics. I mean, you know, like there's just, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. evolutions. And if you look back at my business, I've been in business 17 years. There's nothing that's the same. Every two years, we're basically, we've had to reinvent ourselves entirely from the ground. Completely. Up. Complete. And so let's bring it back full circle. We started this conversation off talking about the individual and that individual experience and how I agree with you 100%. I am extremely individualistic in that respect. We're individual focused. So how do we take where we're going with AI and bring in that individual and be able to actually serve them, even though the AI is taking over? Where does that fit into this whole plan? My response might be disheartening. On a short-term timeline, AI arbitrage is going to be huge. And a lot of people are going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be one of them. On a long enough timeline, and I, I mean, we're talking 50 years, by the way, we're talking two and a half generations. It's just universal basic income. Like people are just not going to have something to do. And it's so funny. I've got a really close friend who's way smarter than I am and challenges me on this. Jason Fladlin. He's the, the world authority in webinars. He's done $250 million in the webinar space. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. And he and I disagree so strongly on this note. He keeps saying, he's like, dude, it's just another, you know, it's like going from a horse and buggy to the car. It's just another innovation. And yeah, you know, like you don't need the stable master. Now you need a mechanic. And it's just, it's going to create whole new industries. And where I disagree with him and what I don't think he realizes is the horse and buggy to the car. Yeah, life kept going unless you were the horse. And then, you know, the population of horses in the world dropped from like, I don't know what it was, like 400 million down to 60 million. And we put them all out to the pasture. They're just there for leisure time activities. Right. Humans in this context are the horse. Yeah, And here's the other thing, too, is we're always talking about it as though it's in the future. Right now, today, AI can replace copywriters, graphic designers, video editors, bookkeepers, quality control, software engineers, radiologists, AI beats radiologists a thousand times out of a thousand. It's $400,000 a year job. So it's not just, it's actually blue collar workers are the safest, which is funny because that's it, they were the ones that were being replaced the fastest clip. Yes. So I think- AI can't change your, your plumbing. <laughs> Right. Yet. We just need robotics to catch up and it will. <laughs> right. But I think what we're going to see, and this goes back again to the importance of the individual, people need to contribute. And I actually, I, I believe very strongly, and this is just my petulant libertarian brain speaking, I believe very strongly people need to work. I think that they, there's something about 
the human psyche that's we break down when we're not being productive but we're going to find very quickly that we don't need to work for money and i'm not a socialist at all i'm repelled by socialist ideology and yet ai is the first thing that's ever made me receptive to the idea that we'll need the safety net necessary to make sure that people stay fed and housed yes. and then if you want to be entrepreneurial you can do that and if you want to earn more you can do that but i think it's axiomatic actually you know whether there be other industries and other things to do sure but the majority of jobs are going to be digitized on a long enough timeline all of them and then it, it becomes a question of like well what do you actually now what do you want to do you have all the time in the world what do you want to do what's important to you who do you want to be around who do you want to serve how do you want to contribute what do you want to grow and i don't think we're prepared for that question yet but we better start Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now and create some CEO mischief of your own.